Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. Soul is a production of Through the Word. That's the intro. Time for the show. So let's get to it. You've got to hear this story. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Langham, and with me again is Brad Hornback. Welcome, Brad. Thank you for having me again, Chris. Nice to see you, man. Brad, friend, compadre, brother, you got to hear this story. You, my friend, are going to talk about this story. We're actually starting a new series today, Life on Mission. We're going to talk about God's call to mission. We're going to talk through some issues with uh, missions around the world. Is the Great Commission on the other side of the world or is it next door? How do you know where you're called? And if you're not the one who goes, how does your church support those who do? We're also going to bring in some hot-button political issues uh, with our guests Through this series, we're going to talk about immigration, refugees, unreached peoples of the world who are moving into our neighborhoods, complex issues, muddy waters for Christians. We're stepping right into that mud. Now, that's all later in this series, but we begin, as always, with a story. And above all, I am excited because missionaries have the best stories. I I always know. I can't wait. I always know. When I talk to my friends who are out in the field, I'm going to get a good story. And that's one of my favorite things in the whole world. Case in point, our guests today, Jonathan and Adrian Ferguson, are here. They served God on mission in Nairobi, Kenya for seven years. Yep. Right? Jonathan, Adrian, welcome to the studio. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Now, Brad, you know these guys, don't you? I do know them. I do. We I do. actually know them really well, too. Yeah. Jonathan and I <laughs> served in, uh, in ministry together. We were youth pastors together. And, of course, our Through the Word audience will know Jonathan from... Book of James, the uh, the Book Matthew, of Matthew, we did Exodus, together. First Peter, Second Peter, little Exodus, Proverbs, little Proverbs. Yeah. Jude, okay, so Jonathan's been, you guys know Jonathan, throughout. and we actually <laughs> recorded Matthew together when uh, when you were in Nairobi, right? And I was over here. Now, example of great stories. I remember getting a call from Jonathan one morning because we had to record, and he said, "I'm sorry, I'm late. I had to chase baboons away from my jeep." I think was the story. Uh, it was the trash. The baboons were getting into the trash, and if they do that, it's a huge mess. So we had to chase them away. Now, the thing is about this is this was a normal day. Yes. Mind you, Brad, this was like a normal phone call. I'm chasing baboons, just like normal people do, chase baboons away from their trash. Yeah, so. of course. Don't you guys? Okay, okay. just to, to give you an insight. Before we have, this isn't even the, the real podcast yet. I just want to jump in just to prove to Brad that missionaries have the best stories Jonathan, I want you to tell the the story of the greatest object lesson of all time. Greatest object lesson of all time. I'm teaching at a Bible college with a bunch of pastors from all over Kenya and teaching through the book of Revelation. And as I'm teaching, all of a sudden I hear this scream from outside. And I yell at all the students, stay in, stay in the class. I need to go figure out what's going on. I had no clue what was happening, but I go outside and there is a six foot long Spitting cobra. Okay, you lost me. Snakes. Nope. Nope. Why is it always? Why is it always got to be snakes, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I it's go not out there. This is a normal snake. This is a six Spit, foot spitting yeah. cobra. And and the gardener's out there trying to kill it by throwing rocks at it, while it's trying to kill the gardener by throwing venom at him. And then the gardener takes wow. it. The, the, there's yelling. There's screaming. Everyone's out there. Now all of the students rush out, even though I told them not to. Way to go, students of a listening to authority. But hey, whatever. The six-foot um, spitting cobra. Yeah, exactly. Um, then all of a sudden the gardener takes uh, takes his, his hoe that he had and he throws it at the snake. 
Well, it hits the concrete, missing the snake, and is now bouncing and flipping towards all of my students behind me. So I went and I, I, I pulled, like, I don't know if it was more Matrix. I, of course, you know, Matrix or Lord of the Rings. But I grabbed that thing out of the air as it flew past me. <laughs> I, well, because I did this, like, weird spin Action move. And I ran move, right? at the snake then with the gardening hoe and slammed it down and cut its head off. And turned around to my students and remembered what we were teaching in Revelation. And I'm like, and that that's great. What you, that's what you were teaching. This is the chapter I was teaching. And the great beast, the serpent of old, was cast down. Let's go back in and finish the class. And I thought I was going in as a hero and they were going to talk about that. But no, they just wanted to know what the cobra would taste like if they cooked it. Oh. <laughs> Which Jonathan knew. He knew Which what I it knew tastes because like. Because the really? previous snake that I had killed, we barbecued and ate, and it tasted like that, fish. What was that? Stories one? of mission. That was in our house. That one was in your house. That one was in our house. Not a spitting cobra. Not in our house, but it was in, in our, our storage shed. room. Yeah. Not a spitting well, cobra, though. Yeah, yes. It also was a spitting cobra. cobra. Oh. So that's the second Common. spitting cobra. Yeah. Like cats okay. running around I the just, neighborhood. I have to point sure. out here that. Jonathan and I, like, we taught together. We, we did teaching together for youth group, and we had an ongoing competition. Well, we love object lessons is, like, our thing. I absolutely love a great object lesson. And the worst part of this whole story is I can never, ever, ever taught that object lesson. It can it can't be done. I could, and he's humble too. I could be teaching. <laughs> I could be like teaching Samson, and a lion comes and attacks me, and I could destroy it. And then a bee comes and like plants a that, hive. Okay, that might and, no, that and might. The students top be it. like, "That was pretty good." You're about the guy in Africa with the cobra. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You wrestling a lion might 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 be. Better. Let's see if I can. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, right. Let's let's try to make that happen on the podcast. Okay, we're gonna get to the show. Let's get to the show. Just a little preview of the kind of stories we're going to get. But, Brad, why don't you take us into the show by giving us the ground rules for the Soul Podcast? All right, real quick. So, first off, we're going to respect the story. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about some serious issues, but the story comes first. Uh, you know, it's your guys' life. So, we're going we're to respect it. Humility before wisdom. Uh, because, basically, good questions come before good answers. So, you know, Chris, hey, that's on you right there a little bit. Some good that's questions. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Uh, grace always. Grace always for every issue. For every life, there is grace, and we intend to find it through our through our or through your story, I should say. And ultimately, though, God has the last word. Mm-hmm. You know, we seek the Lord in every story, so we're going to seek Him through your story, um, and and we trust that He's going to speak to us through it. All right, Chris. those are the ground rules. Good stuff. Those are some good rules for anybody who's getting to kind of dive into the Word and talk about some uh, some story and tough issues. Mm-hmm. Well, let's dive into to your story, Jonathan, Adrian, Ferguson. You guys are serving in. Uh, in missions ministry now in Huntington Beach, California, but take us back several years to as you were not in Kenya, but actually before you went, when did you hear that call? We're doing youth ministry together. What on earth prompts you to think, I might move my family to Africa? Spitting cobras. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Sign me up. Yeah, I was actually at the Bible College here at the Extension Campus, and um, Andrew Russell was teaching missions and he had a guest on Rob Douglas um, that was guest speaking that day. And he was talking about um, this area in Uganda where the Lord's resistance army was in and they were building a facility through this organization and they needed a missionary couple to go. And basically what was happening is kids were getting abducted from the Lord's resistance or by the Lord's resistance army. And they just wanted a facility where these kids can go in peace at nighttime where their homes weren't getting raided and they were looking for a couple. 
and it was radical. And I just thought, could you be sending us, Lord? So that's kind of where it started. So hearing from a missionary, just mm-hmm. talking about missions and telling a story and something stirred in your heart. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that have so Adrian, you heard that before things got to, were you guys married at this time or is this Yes, yeah. We were married. Yeah. And I was there. I just want to point out. Yeah. I was there. Not at the missions call. I wasn't. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I gave the longest best man speech ever. Nice. <laughs> that, that record I still hold. And I think That's you true. hold it worldwide record. Yeah. <laughs> that might be. So Jonathan, how about you? When did you hear the call? Um, yeah, because Adrian, Adrian definitely got that call first. She came home and she's like, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to Uganda on a mission trip. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's do this. So I was just, okay, let's, let's go. We're going to go do, take this mission trip and then come back and continue on with our, our life here. Um, but just a few days into that trip, uh, we both started realizing that there Maybe a call for for long term ministry in this for us, and so I think that um, yeah, it, it and that trip we were going to go to Uganda, and we didn't end up getting on the trip to Uganda. We ended up on the trip to Kenya, and we're like, oh bummer, this that's a, such a bummer. Well, next year, next year we'll go to to mm-hmm. Uganda. Um, God knows though, right? But God knew what he was doing. <laughs> so he this used, was just a short term mission. This was trip. a short term mission trip, a two week mission trip. Right. Uh, but just a few days into that trip, once we were on the ground, it was like, okay, um, we're we're coming back. How do you know what that sense is? How do you know? I think every time I did a mission trip, somebody said to me, so you, I tell all these great stories because great stories happen on, on mission trips. But they would say, so are you moving there? I'd say, nope, I'm good. <laughs> how what how did you, so take us further down the process. How, how does, how that keep moving forward? So after we were on that, well, during that two-week trip, I think Mm -hmm. the biggest thing for me was uh, I had gone out behind a brand new church plant, Calvary Chapel, Nairobi, um, and they had us go on teams for like an evangelistic outreach, but we can only go, we would, we we mainly had a Kenyan team um, with us and we had two white girls, one being me included, and they didn't want too many white people going behind into the slum area because it would just create a stir, would create issues. So um, we went out there, we started sharing the gospel, and we would find, like I would find people would be flocking around my Bible as I was Mm. sharing the gospel with them. And a lot of people were like, how do we do do this? And they were coming to Christ, like, yeah, I want to give my life to the Lord right now. Yeah, I want, uh, you know, to turn from my sin. And I was like, what? We'd never, I had never heard of that kind of response. I had never really gone out on a trip like that before. And I didn't really know what to do with that information. So we had, we had two teams. I was on one team and the other uh, girl, Sarah, was on another team. And they were like praying for people to get healed and people were getting healed in their homes. People that had been laying in cots for years were standing up. Like it was like listening to stories from the Bible, like coming to life in the slums in Nairobi, Kenya. And I was like, wow, you know, people here are ready. They want to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. They're ready to come. Like, is it really true that there's just not enough laborers? And that to me became a different question. Like, Lord, could you send us was kind of the initial question. And then like, really, are there just not enough laborers? And I think that question for me was just kind of a a resounding question that just kind of stirred around in my mind that it went from short-term trip to, wow, could this be a long-term call for us? Uh, 
Yeah, and for me, I think that um, we already knew some of the missionaries on the ground when we were heading out there. We had met them on a previous mission field when they were in Mexico. And so for me, I was talking with them a lot more since I already knew them about, okay, so what's different about here? I've seen Mexico. I've seen the mission trips. And and what's different about life out here? And the more I talked with them, the more I felt like this is something that I feel like we not only could we could do, but that we needed to do. And I couldn't tell you exactly what it was of like, oh, this was the clear call at that point. Uh, we had lots of those moments where God spoke to us in a very clear way, either through prophetic words or through the opening of scriptures that were very clearly uh, like answers to our prayers. But on that trip, it was just this piece of this is where we're going to be. And so it, it that's how we ended up out there. We, we started planning and, and we went back the following year for another what we would call like either a scouting trip or, mm. or, you know, vision tour and just checked out different ministry opportunities. And then it still took another three years before we actually moved out there. So this wasn't a jump in the plane, get out of here, land your family in Africa. No, <laughs> actually, when we first went too, it was just the two of us. And by the time that we went and moved, it was four of us. So we had, some time passed. Yeah, it was some four years happened. from the first trip to, to when we moved. And we had kids and, you know, that, that, that brings a whole different dynamic to, to then, whoa, are we going? Yeah. And I want to talk about that. The considerations that go into when there's a whole different thing when, when you're thinking, can the two of us survive all of it, all that it means to live in Africa to, can we raise children there? And, uh, but before I do that, I actually want to jump in and one thought, what Adrian said, I'm sure some of our listeners are going to be saying, wait, what are you just talking about? There are people healed, like back up second. They're like actual people here healed. This wasn't just a show. I didn't realize I'm listening to a hyper-Pentecostal podcast. I know. And when I talk about that story, I kind of shudder and I don't share it freely so often because I know um, that that can come with those kinds of things like, oh, you know, um, if you have enough faith, then uh, you should be healed. And I know that that's not always the case for everybody. So, um, so yeah, even uh, as we were going through the process of um, just that whole experience and and just debriefing that evangelism experience in my brain, I had to wrestle through that. Like, I, I didn't know that that could still happen. I don't even know what to do with that information. But right. that woman showed up at church. Walked her, into church. She walked into church. Mm. And she had been, I, I can't remember now because it's been long, but she had been laying there for years. Um, and so that rocked my world. I mean, I remember going into my normal um office at, uh, at an insurance brokerage. And I'm going back to my cubicle after this trip. And I was like, this woman, she got up and she walked and she was healed. And I think people were like, okay, you know, it's not a Christian office, and, yeah. but it's, it's that yeah, amazing. What happened to her on that trip? I know, I know. So. But it really happened. So yeah, but it yeah, happened. And, and I'll say this, I, in my life, I've not experienced a large amount of the supernatural in terms of the gifts of God. I've seen the gifts of God active regularly in my life all the time. Most of them not supernatural, but the supernatural, I am a believer in the gifts, the, the supernatural gifts. But most of the time when I hear a genuine story, it's usually in the context of mission. And the same is true in the Bible and especially in the New Testament. You'll find the the supernatural gifts working as a testimony to the work that's being done. And even as Jesus did the supernatural gifts, he used those as testimony. And when they became a distraction, he moved on mm -hmm. because he said, I must go preach the gospel. 
I've got to go into the towns where I can preach. They need to hear the word. And so in that context of mission, that's why I say missionaries are the best stories. When you put yourself out there, things happen. Now, that doesn't mean that now that you move on to the mission field, suddenly it's going to be all fireworks and, you know, angels and everything. It doesn't work that way. I lived on the mission field. It didn't work that way. You'll go, you'll go a season without hearing from God all the time and mm-hmm. supernatural things it's happen true. all the time. But let's go back to, to family. Now, you've got two kids. You're really thinking this is what the Lord is saying. And I remember this season. Jonathan and I would, would meet about once a week and just go through the word together and, and confess sins together. And this is our accountability. But what kept coming back, both of us, same time we're feeling this call. What are the considerations as you actually think about bringing your kids, very little kids, out on the field? Yeah, when we were uh, first heard the call, we were ready to go out and do the work with those in this refugee camp, going out during the daytime and pulling kids in so they can be, you know, kept safe from from the LRA out in the jungles in Uganda. And then we had kids, and it was like, where can we go that's a little more safe, right? We're, yeah. We were glad that God was calling us to to Nairobi. Um, and even then with Nairobi, it was like, okay, are we going to move into and be— what's called incarnational ministry, living in and among the people and as the people. And it's like, do we move into, you know, the heart of the city and move into one of the slum areas and and minister? And it was like, no, we got this great place that we can stay right outside of the city where it's Mm -hmm. a little safer for the family. And, and so it, it changes how you do, uh, do ministry. It's, I think a little easier to look at yourself and think, um, I could, I could, I'll, I'll go out and I'll put myself at greater risk. But when there's a family involved, it changes everything. Yeah, and that's not to say that you're making less of a sacrifice. Yeah. You are being faithful to all of the commitments that God has laid in front of you. Right. And and you have to balance those. And it is a fool who thinks that one commitment that God has laid in front of you makes gives you a, a good enough reason to sacrifice your marriage or your children or mm-hmm. your uh, the commitments that God has called you to be faithful to. Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, let's move forward. Let's move to Kenya. What? Uh, drop us into Nairobi. Drop it right there, just below the equator, <laughs> East degrees. Africa. No more snake stories, please. <laughs> no more snakes. I'm arguing. Culture shock. <laughs> give me a give me a little taste there of the the culture, culture shock of getting getting oh, taken yeah. to Kenya. Yeah, yeah. I I would say like just the sights, the smells of things that. <laughs> that are different from what you're used to. We would mm-hmm. see what they call boda bodas, which are motorcycles. Yeah. We yeah. We would see it's it's a motorcycle and just basically motorcycle taxi. Motorcycle taxi. Motorcycle taxi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. people multiple people on the motorcycle. So you got the driver and then at, at least one, but sometimes two. <laughs> Furniture. Or a couch, on the back, like a couch. A couch. At one time, we saw someone moving a couch on the, the back of a motorcycle, and then there was a guy sitting on the couch. Yeah, there's been. Why wouldn't there be? I mean, we've seen we've seen livestock deliveries uh, off the back of the motorcycles and th- things that you don't see in Orange County, California. No. Right. You don't even see livestock at all in Orange County, California, but... Some chickens here and there. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah. and even <laughs> I think what was also a bit terrifying for us is kind of getting used to the traffic rules. You're driving on the left side of the road. Mm. Kenya's on the left. the right side of the car, is that right? Yep. Left right. side of the road, right. right side of the car. And you can get, I mean, a big bus barreling down at you 
on your side of the road because they're trying to avoid the traffic off of the other side. So you have this moment of terror where you have your family in the car and you're thinking, oh my gosh, like this is it. This is the end. This didn't last very long, Lord, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Send us over here to this bus coming at us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think um, that continued to be one of the biggest struggles to adjust to that kind of mentality. Because not only the rules of the road, there's the unwritten rules of the road, like a bus doing that, and I think that goes for a lot of other things as well. There's just the unwritten this is how things are done that feels very different. Yeah, because the right-of-way rules was basically, do you have the courage to take that spot? You're playing chicken. You're playing chicken with with semi-trucks and buses, and you're in a little Toyota Corolla. Right. Yeah. Okay. Introduce so. us to the people. So, so that's some of the the situation. But you're there for the people. Introduce us to the people of Kenya. Yeah, we found the people were kind and welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the biggest difference that we saw were people really were interested in hearing your thoughts about things. Like, tell me about your politics. But it's not because they had already an agenda and their you know their background, and you feel like you have to defend your political position or. Um, even uh, about things about God, they genuinely just wanted to you to sit in their homes and just to listen to you. Like, tell me all your thoughts about things. And they wanted an exchange of thoughts and they were just learners. Even if it was just learning uh, about what you thought about something or how you viewed things, it wasn't necessarily that they were going to agree with you. I mean, I, I spent a, a year teaching at a hyper-Pentecostal Bible college training pastors and teaching the Bible, a lot of times they would be, they would question everything that I taught, but they wanted to know more about what I thought about these things, even if they completely disagreed with me. Hmm. And so that inquisitive nature is part of the the Kenyan personality in general. It, it seems like it because it was, it was everybody from um, employees that we had, gardeners and up through uh, college students, through people we'd meet on the street, people that worked at our local coffee shop, everyone. People just had time for you. Mm -hmm. They had time to hear from you. And um, I think that has been one of the biggest challenging parts about moving to Orange County, back to Orange County from Kenya, is that people don't really have time for you. Mm. They don't really, you know, you can't really sit and talk, you know, like we did with a lot of our friends there. Like real relationship building. Yes, Kenya is definitely a a relationship-based society where we are a task-driven society in the United States where we have our agendas and priorities and we've got 16 things we've got to get done in the next five minutes. Um, Invest in relationship with best friend. Yes, you have five minutes. You have five minutes to do that. If somebody were to come over to your house in Kenya, they were going to be there for hours, mm-hmm. even if their purpose in coming was to drop a book back off that they borrowed. Oh, wow, they are going to stay, have a cup of coffee, have a cup of tea. They may stay through a meal time. A meal, yeah. Um, just by returning the book. Okay, now you talk about interacting with these people. Are you speaking in English? Are they speaking English in Kenya? Yeah, the national language is English and Kiswahili, although I believe there's, what, 67 different tribal languages in Kenya? Uh, I think it's like 43 in Kenya, but you had a lot of others from other countries as well that came in. So there was a lot of different languages, but... Predominantly English. Yes, in in Nairobi itself, everyone spoke Swahili and English and their own tribal language as well. Nice. And then Christian, you're talking about, you're, you're part of a church there, 
are the people believers or is Christianity part of their culture? Uh, they, there's an old cliche about the difference between Christianity. Sometimes it's a it's a mile wide, but an inch deep, or mm-hmm. you know, it's it's everywhere. Christianity was everywhere. Eighty five percent of the country would claim to be Christian, but it's the most shallow Christianity you'd ever imagine. You were Christian because you weren't born into a Muslim family. Mm-hmm. If you weren't Muslim, you were born as a Christian, and uh, they had Christian education in school. And almost every person you would talk to had raised their hand or gone forward at some kind of evangelistic uh, outreach or rally or during a chapel time at school. Um, But they weren't going to church. They weren't living the life. They weren't showing any fruit that they actually had had a a, a moment with Christ that where they were radically transformed. Um, Even those that went to, to church a lot would often have radical beliefs. There's this thing called animism, which mm-hmm. is uh, prevalent in in Africa, parts of Asia, South America, where there everything kind of has a spiritual nature to it. All of creation has has a spirit. Some are good, some are evil, and you can appease the different spirits in different ways, and and then call upon their power to give you strength in in something. And so it's crept into the church, kind of like a prosperity doctrine come in where, you know, if you do these things for God, then he must bless you. And so it's this, this idea of if you give enough to the church, then God's going to bless you financially and physically, you're going to be healthy and wealthy and uh, prosperous and powerful in your community. Mm -hmm. If you do enough of giving to the church or pray enough, or if you have enough faith. And so this was the predominant uh, view of Christianity in Kenya. Right, which is much more like the pagan gods that you have to appease or please or figure out what's the thing I got to do to make it rain. Right. What's uh, What do I What do I need to go through to it, make them happy? Or? Right, and animism is basically that ancient paganism mm. without the gods being named. It's mm. the spirits. Well, right. now that you bring it into the church and there's only the one God, but you're still operating you still theologically the same way as you would the pagan gods in ancient Greece. Hmm. Okay, so now take us into your ministry. What's the ministry that God called you to while you're there? We were called into a ministry of of working at a church and uh, training up and teaching uh, pastors uh, who are in other churches as well. And you arrive at the church. The church already has a a pastor, a leader there. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long was the pastor moved on at some point? Right. Right. It was about a year and a half in, um, two years maybe into our time out there. The the pastor there uh, was heading into a new ministry, was leaving the country. Um, and so the church transitioned over uh, to, to me. I was the senior pastor now at the church. Right. So I want to talk about mission work and what works and what doesn't. There's a lot of different aspects to mission work, and we're actually going to, to walk through some of that over the this whole series, over these four episodes. We're going to talk about mission work here and there. But in terms of what, what you're doing, talk, talk about some of the struggles, the challenges, uh, getting a, a church started and, and moving forward. And, uh, and Adrian, I remember you telling me one day about the Jonathan show, which was a phrase that I really enjoyed. Yes. So, so, so tell me I, about, I don't enjoy the Jonathan show. And I've heard about this, but I have not had it like described. So I'm ready to hear about the Jonathan show. So, well, it, it's a church thing. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Well, no, it's not. What happened was, so the senior pastor that was initially out there was a missionary um, sent from right out here, Orange County, California, Robbie. Um, and he transitioned on and he built this beautiful great church, great following, but like with any transition that can happen, we just saw the numbers start to dwindle. 
and uh, children's ministry had always been a little bit of a struggle. It was hard to find people Mm -hmm. that really, we only did one service. So if you did children's ministry, that service, you missed the service. And so you either had kids kind of running around or trying to stay quiet during the service, or we had to try to find people that can watch them and kind of, we didn't really have a curriculum. So um, slowly those numbers just started to dwindle. You know, when Jonathan took over the church, we were like, oh man, he's 30 years old. And we're just seeing numbers dwindle. It was, we had young kids of our own. By then we had our third child. And so he was under a year old. So we're coming into church, you know, I'm packing up lunches and all kinds of snacks and food so my kids can make it through the service. And we had books piled high in the back so they didn't get bored because we had nobody doing children's ministry. And then we would have like maybe three to five people show up Mm. at church that day. And the Jonathan show was basically (laughs) I would show up and I'd set up all the chairs and set up the podium. And then I would lead the congregation in worship. And then I would teach the message and lead them in communion. Can I make one quick correction? (laughs) He led worship with the newsboys. He led worship with okay, Chris so Tomlin. Okay, so I turned on That's iTunes. He pressed the play button. But I had to stand up there. I Yes, I had my, I, they were my background you had tracks. To, you had to pick pick the songs. Pick yes, worship, but I was up in the front leading the congregation yes. in the singing and doing all of that. Yes, the music was Chris Tomlin. And so I can say that I led worship with Chris Tomlin and the News <laughs> yeah. Boys. Oh, wow. And yeah. Keith Green. Love the stretch, uh, though. Yes. Love the stretch. Yeah, yeah. Hey, love it. Love it. Um, but then as after preaching, then I would do all the talking to everyone and meeting with everybody. And then I'd be cleaning up and packing everything up. And so it was the, the big issue, honestly. And that was the Jonathan show. It was everything. A little I was bit me. of everything, right? It was Completely me. exhausted at the end of a Sunday? Um, yes. Uh, the, uh, you'd go home and, and, and I would just basically want to stare at a blank wall. Um, and the, the problem, the biggest problem with it was, is that um, I was trying to run a church on my own strength and my own power. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't relying on the gifts that God had given to the rest of the church. I wasn't relying even on the strength of the Holy Spirit to get me through it. I could just, I could handle it. Uh, let me just do it. I can just do it. And um, so what happened? How the, did that, did the church did the Jonathan show come just to end? dwindled? Um, I mean, there was a rock bottom. I the would rock say. bottom was when it was me and one lady who didn't speak a lick of English and I could not <laughs> preach in Swahili. Um, and so here we are, one guy speaking English and one lady that could only speak Swahili. A lot of smile and nodding. Message. <laughs> I pulled out. I pulled out my Swahili Bible and read a chapter from read one of the Psalms because I could at least read it. And then oh, we nice. prayed, and that was it. That was the message. That was it. And just to, to add in here, I have put on a Chris show, and particularly when I when we hit the Missionville in Mississippi, and the same thing happened when the other pastor left. I came in. Church dwindled, and I went through a season of, mm-hmm. of working in my own strength. And that was a very important time in my own personal life to, to get me to bond because it teaches you some yep. lessons. So tell us how God moved you forward. Okay, so we're Calvary Chapel, so we are known for preaching through the Word, right? Yes. So I was felt very, very strong that we needed to go through the book of Revelation. We did have a few extra people coming in now. We seemed like, okay— I was doing something. I was getting it to work now. And we had a lot of college-age kids that were coming from the university across the street. And we started teaching through Revelation. 
and got through the the, the letters to the churches. I, I had a blast teaching through that. Um, got into then and did like chapters four, five, six, and it was like every week it was like painful to try and put together messages. And at one point it's 1030 at night on a Saturday. I'm trying to teach a message through Revelation 6. It's a powerful chapter. All these chapters are wonderful and powerful, but I felt like there was nothing. I couldn't get anything out of the text. I couldn't do anything. And I just went in and, and talked to, to, to talk to Adrian and, and just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I just, I need to just go and, and pray and started praying. And then all of a sudden God just opened up all this stuff to me, but it was the, what really spoke to me was like, you, you heard me correctly that I wanted you to teach revelation, but you, you just kept going. I wanted you to focus on those seven letters to the church and then move on. But you just kept going because you were going to do it your own way. You're going to do it the way you always did things. Huh. And that was what he wanted to share. What he saw, what God saw that the church needed for the, for, uh, for that moment was that encouragement of those letters, not the whole book. And, but I kept trying to force it because, hey, this is what we do, right? And this is what I'm going to do. And I never took the time each week to pray and say, Lord, what about next week? What am I supposed to be teaching? Because this is what we do in Calvary. We teach straight mm-hmm. through the word. And um, so I, 11 o'clock at night, I you know, run back in to the room and tell Adrian, I, I know what we're doing this week. We're just going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to do a short, quick study on why, important, why it's important to pray. And we're going to start praying for this church. And then the following week, we did a whole thing. We, we started this whole new series about what are the basics? What do we need to know as the basics of, of, of church and prayer and fasting and why we worship God through song, everything. And things started happening like, all right, we, we started adding a time of prayer in as our normal church time. Not just a, oh, if you want to come beforehand, but it was, no, this is part of church. We're going to spend the next 20 minutes in prayer as a whole congregation. Mm. And we started seeing these things and then... Eventually, we started getting so many kids from the college uh, across the street that we had a midweek study that was geared toward reaching out to them. And from there, we started seeing guys that wanted to be discipled. We start discipling them. They become church leaders. So we mm-hmm. started having deacons and children's ministry workers and worship member, uh, worship team leaders. So I no longer had to lead with Chris Tomlin because we had Kenyan <laughs> leadership and all of them Fire was... Fire Chris Tomlin. I fired Chris Tomlin. Good job. Go back yes. home. Uh, and, and we hired, basically hired, uh, we had a team of people from, from the church, all Kenyan, rise up and take on those leadership roles. And it became a very healthy church when we stopped doing it in our own power and relied on the Holy Spirit. Nice. And it's relying on the Holy Spirit, but there's also a biblical model there mm-hmm. in terms of the, the calling to, to raise up the, yes. the role of the leaders, what God has given the leaders for, Ephesians 4, 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, that's all the leaders, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And the picture there is, in other words, church is not a performance art. It, it's not a, a spectator sport. It's it's everybody involved. And the leaders have a role of training and equipping. And that takes some time. But there should always be a goal in mission to raise up and hand over the ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But we've got to pause right now because, Brad, you know what time it is? Theology Throwdown. It is about that time, Theology Throwdown. It is a little something different we'd like to do in every podcast. And I like to remind Brad every time that this was my idea, but it was a joke. I'm the one that pushed it. But he took it seriously. So we're going to bring in a uh, a little theological, debatable uh, 
challenging question here. One question question that missionaries get all the time. Why go to the other side of the world? After all, didn't Jesus just say, love your neighbor? And isn't your neighbor right around the corner? And aren't there plenty of lost people right here? Why you got to go all the way to Africa to find them? <laughs> so let's do that. But Brad, you got you to gotta lay down the law first. Oh, lay down the Ref. law. All right. Hey, so there's some rules for the throwdown. Basically, read your verse, apply it. Don't talk too long about it, right? Keep it brief. Penalty cards. We have red and yellow cards. You need to speed it up or you need to stop. They will be given. They have been given. Jonathan and I are competitive. Right, so, so there's some technical Just fouls there. So we all clear on how we're going to run this? <laughs> we got this. Yeah, good. Everybody's stretching. Everybody's yeah. getting ready. Yep. Okay. So right, it's, I just don't know who wins. How come we never award? We, we never have any winners at the end of this. Chris, you're the, the winner, bud. You're the winner. No, can't just, man. All right. Well, you know, we'll give it to the guests. Adrian. No, be the winner today. The winner oh wait, we have to, to do it. that. Wait, we have to actually go through rules. it first. Okay, like tell us the question. Adrian okay, is always the, the winner in my I'm book. She's good. Good call. You I like can't that. Vote, so, aren't there enough unsaved people in America? Why go to the other side of the world to share the gospel? Should I stay, or should I go? Dun dun dun. Oh, sorry. Yes, Jonathan, okay. what do you got for us? Um, I'm going to start with a saying that I always say, and then back it up with scripture. You are either, when it comes to missions, you are either a goer, a sender. Or a sinner. Mm. There's no other options. The Bible says in Matthew 28, Jesus gives the great commission to the church of, then he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority and he can tell us what to do. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the word go simply means to go. It's not if you go or, you know, some of you, when you go, it's go. He commanded the church to go to all nations to make the disciples. Feeling a little convicted right Nicely now. Done. So let's move I'll on. I'll get Adrian. you trained up and ready to go. Where do you want to go? Adrian, what do you that got for us? fire in that there. I don't think I can deliver like that, but here we go. Romans 10. Uh, verses 13 to 15 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So how can they be saved unless somebody goes? And I think all of us at the end of our lives want to hear Jesus saying to to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things and turn to the joy of your master. And so it's time to be faithful in fulfilling the commandment that he's given us to go. If I could, I would drop this mic, but it's like on this arm, so I can't. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to break anything here at the studio. Okay, I got a verse. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus to the disciples after he's been resurrected, giving them a furtherance of the Great Commission, telling them it goes to the ends of the earth. And the full picture there, Jerusalem is where they were standing. Mm-hmm. So, like, go love your neighbor right over there. Judea is the countryside that they're in. We would think of it as sort of the, the state. That's the the smaller nation, sort of. Samaria is the, the next nation over. It's the next group of people. And then the ends of the earth. And there's an outward going, and the commission goes 
to all the church. And so as all the church responds, some go to their neighbor, some go to the next town, some go to the next country, some go to the other side of the world. We fulfill the entirety of the commission. Man, you gonna flag me on that? I, like, I thought about. It. I had the cards in my hand, but I was I was mesmerized a little bit. Wait, who, he, is he gonna ref his own? Listen, the ref. Hey, it's my time Ooh. right now. Shh. <laughs> cards. All right. Revelation seven nine says, "After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages." All those languages in Kenya, right? You talked about mm-hmm. standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I don't even know what to say. I mean, that's just bam. Mm-hmm. Well, you look mm-hmm. in heaven. Yeah. Everybody's there. Yeah. Somebody's got to reach them. Chris, did you want to speak about the... the what, I wanna, what I want to know is Ooh, is how the ref gets... And what sport does the ref get to play the game? He's like, I'm just going to jump in, kick the ball into the goal. That was my question, but I got a red card for it. Okay, we're going to have to move on with the yellow card right now. <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'll say this, in, the, in terms of the love your neighbor question, the mm-hmm. uh, when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and the, the guy's asking him, you know, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and then asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Luke 10, 36. I should name my verse before I get a card. Yes. But... The idea there is the neighbor is the one who made a difference. And that neighbor might have been from the next town over or the guy who just happened to be walking by. But when you see somebody in need, you help. Or when you hear somebody in need. Now, we got to close up. we got to close down Throwdown. Yes. And, uh, and we're going to close out the podcast. I want to talk a little more with you guys. We're going to invite you back for, uh, for another episode. But our next episode, we're actually going to move on to another story. We're going to invite Ryan Woodburn in, and we're going to talk about mission in our backyard because sometimes the the mission field comes to us, and you don't have to go very far, and you've got foreigners right in your neighborhood, and you can go reach them. So we're going to talk about that. But Jonathan, Adrian, thank you guys for coming in. I'd like you guys to stick around if you would because we're going to talk about more missions issues, what makes for effective mission. I know you guys have been called back now and you're supporting missionaries. How does that work for a church? And we're going to talk also about immigrants, refugees, and all of that. We'll bring that back in episode four in this series. You guys willing to come back? Absolutely. We're ready for it. Yes. All right. Thanks for coming in. Brad, I told you. I told you you got to hear this story. Was it a good story? There was not just one good story. There was many good stories. You're gonna talk about. I'm super excited to hear. Don't talk about the snake story. It makes me look. Yeah, no more snake stories though. (laughs) Baboons. I like baboons. (laughs) Maybe a giraffe. You won't like baboons if you live there. Okay, no baboons either. All right, everybody. That's it for the Soul Podcast. Please join us for the next one. Remember, it's a muddy world, so walk by faith and walk in grace. That's all for the Soul Podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the story. Join us next time as the conversation continues. You can subscribe wherever great podcasts are found. And you can find every episode at soulpodcast.com. That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word. If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. Thanks, everyone. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Video by Michael Kincaid. Audio editing by Daisy Short. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story. Now go talk about it. Share a post. Tell a friend. Start a conversation. 
and we'll see you in the next one. You gotta hear that story. Am I counting down? Are you counting yeah, down? Yeah, you count it down. All right, here we go. Through the Word Productions Soul Podcast in five, four, three, two, and one.